Turn with me, if you would, to Esther chapter 4. <clears throat> Esther chapter 4. While you're turning there, I bring greetings uh, from my congregation there at Hurricane Road Grace Church. Um, last two texts I got from, from my pastor were, be sure to tell everybody how I love them, and be sure to tell everybody how much I thank you for your prayers for him. And I bet a half dozen people at least have stopped me even this morning to say, tell, tell, tell your pastor, tell your brother that, that, that we're praying for him. Um, and I know he's comforted by that. Um, and he wanted me to pass that on to you, so I do. Um, my, our congregation there sends you all our love. You're in our prayers as well, um, as do my, my wife, my kids. My kids are homesick today. I'm glad to be here with my mom. Um, so so we're, we're very glad to be here with you. And, and Mark, you're right. Life, life's busy. I bet you anything I can talk for Lindsay when I say the same thing. All that busyness is just for this. Right? That, that's why we're busy. It's so, so that we can meet together and worship. And it's so uplifting to me. The conversations I've had already here this morning have been so encouraging to me. Uh, scripture, scriptures say, right? You, you encourage one another with these words. And, and that's what we've been talking about this morning. And that's what we, we've heard in the, in the reading. That's what we've heard in the, in, the, in, the, in the specials and in the singing. And that's why that's I pray. That's what we all pray that, that, that the Lord brings out in this message this, this morning is our God is absolutely, absolutely sovereign. And our God is absolutely, absolutely good. And without sacrificing an ounce of that sovereignty or an ounce of that goodness, he's good to sinners. Absolutely sovereign, absolutely good for me, right? Right? That's what we just heard. For, for me, for me. And that's what I pray. That's what we, I pray that we hear in the message this morning. <clears throat> I remember hearing Tom Harding one time say, <laughs> That he was up all night preaching in his dreams. <laughs> and that was me last night. I've been preaching this in my dreams um, here in, in Esther chapter 4. And when we get to reading through Esther chapter 4, listen for the verse when Queen Esther comes into the presence of the king. Queen Esther coming to the, the, the presence of the almighty king who, who owned the world. King Ahasuerus, his word was law. His word was absolute. And listen for when Queen Esther came into the presence of the king. That interaction, that, that's the focus of today's message. It's an interaction I, I think about you know, very frequently. From the time I was young until now, I, I, I hear men frequently when they pray publicly. They, they pray, they, 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 they pray, thank you, God, for allowing us into your presence, for, for a, a, allowing us into his presence. The privilege of coming before him, that's... That's not a routine. That's not a habit in prayer that, that you hear frequently. Um, we bow our heads and, 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 and we pray and, and we approach unto that the throne of the Almighty, the, the throne of the Creator. I, w- I was thinking the other day, it's not that He's the Creator existing in the universe. That's amazing. He's the creator of the universe. The universe exists in him. He's the creator of it. And and that is the sovereign throne that we come before. What a a privilege. 
Before we get to Esther, turn over to Isaiah chapter 40 with me. Isaiah chapter 40. And and listen to these these comparisons of of our God. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in, in, in verse 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? In the hollow of his hand. Measured the waters in the in the hollow of his hand. That's the water in, in all the earth. The water in all the earth, the, the water in all the universe. Right there. That's the hollow of his hand. The water in all the universe, in, in, in the in the hollow of his hand. All that water, our, our sovereign God holds all that just in the in the hollow of his hand. He's he's expressing spiritual authority in, in, in human words. And even these human words don't go far enough, right? But he's expressing to us. We, we can see that. The waters of all the earth and all the universe, where we don't even know there's waters, in the hollow of his hand. That, that's, that's the sovereignty of, of our Father. It says, he, 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 and he meted out heaven with the span. That's this right here between his thumb and his pinky. Meted out, that's all the stars and all the planets between his thumb and his pinky. If anybody's a football fan, I remember when the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow was going through the combine and they were they were complaining that his hand span wasn't big enough. It was only nine and a half inches. And I remember being in high school trying to palm a basketball. We'd push our hands like this on the table, trying to spread that span out, trying to make it as, uh, as bad as I can stretch it. It gets out to about nine and a half inches. That's as big as... Uh, not our God. All the heavens, the stars, the planets, everything in the span of his hand. Mm. He doesn't even have to stretch. We look at the sky and we see his sovereignty. All the stars, all the planets in the span of his hand. What's it say there in in verse 15? Behold, the the nations are as a drop of a bucket. They're counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as as a very little thing. That drop in the bucket. I appreciate these visual reminders. You know, and, and we see the sovereignty of, of, of our God, of our, of our Father. When we're driving home today, we'll probably stop for gas. And I'll stick the hose in and I'll turn it on and I'll just wait for it to click off, right? But actually, there's a little bit of gas left in that hose. Even once it clicks off, there's a little bit of gas left in the hose, right? Gas that I've paid for. And sometimes when I'm feeling myself, I'll take the time to raise that hose up and get, right? The last two drops out of that hose it's silly but that's kind of but it's insignificant that last drop in the bucket is insignificant behold the nations are as a drop of a bucket you think of that next time you're filling up gas that two drops of gas you just left in the in the hose that's the nations not that the nations aren't insignificant that our father is so much more significant that that he's able to count those as as the drop as a as a drop in the bucket our our God is so great, he considers the nations of the earth as insignificant as I consider that drop in that, in that hose or the dust on the scales. When you're at the grocery store putting bananas up on the scale, do you bother to dust off the, the scale first? No, of course not. It's, it's dust. It's insignificant. It's insignificant. Compared to the sovereignty and the, the majesty of, of our creator, insignificant. That's the almighty that's the Almighty whose throne we come to. That's the throne that we come to. What a, what a privilege 
What an amazing privilege that we would have. We would have the right through Christ to approach unto that throne. That's the throne we come to. That's the throne Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's the authority. And I, I pray that that's the authority we, we see here in Esther with, with King Ahasuerus. How perverted our flesh is that, that we would think we have right to just step to that throne. I couldn't call today and get a meeting with the mayor of Danville. Right? No way. What, what right do I have? <laughs> and that's How insignificant, how silly an example of that is to show how perverted our nature is that we believe we could come to the throne of the Almighty on our own merit. What horrible, foolish, fallen, sinful pride that reveals. It, it, it reveals our black heart that's already there, that we think we have a right to walk into that throne. Mm. The fallen angels have no right to come before God's throne. Why would we? And I, I heard someone recently say, we're born we're born thinking that we're God. And the rest of our lives have to be spent revealing to us that we are not. That's what I want us to see here in, in Esther today. Coming into the presence of a holy, absolutely sovereign God. And there are so many aspects of God here uh, in, this, in the book of Esther. We could focus on God's providence. It's all throughout this book, and, and I would certainly encourage you this afternoon. I think Esther is, what, 12, 10 chapters long. This afternoon, read through the 10 chapters. See God's providence. See, you know, see all the, the many aspects of God. But, but this morning, I want to focus on, on God's sovereignty. And again, let's, let's look here in, in chapter 4. Four main characters here in Esther. All four are, are, are shown here in, in, in chapter 4. There's the king. King Ahasuerus, he's king of, the, of the, the whole known world at the time. And his word is absolute law. King Ahasuerus, Queen Esther, who is uh, both a, a picture of Christ in this story and is also a picture uh, of, of us coming to Christ. There's, there's Mordecai, who's a picture of sinners. And there's a Haman, Haman, who is a picture of sinners if left to themselves. Those four characters, King Ahasuerus, Queen Esther, Mordecai, and Haman. Those are our, our four four characters. Esther and Mordecai are of the are, are, are Jews. They're of the Jewish nation that had been taken captive from Jerusalem years prior. And, and Mordecai is Esther's older cousin. So that gives a, a history. Uh, Mordecai had raised Esther as his own daughter. And Mordecai lived in the capital and, and he worked in, in the king's palace where King Ahasuerus lived. And the Lord, through his providence, had, had brought... Uh, Esther up to be queen. By the time chapter 4 here begins, uh, she's been queen for a few years. And again, King Hazarus was by himself alone, the absolute authority in the whole world, the whole known world at the time. His kingdom stretched all the way across the Middle East from, from India to Ethiopia. The whole known world at the time was King Hazarus's, and everything he said was absolute law. He ruled the world. And in earlier chapters, um, it, it, the scriptures give us insight into, into his authority uh, as, as a picture of God the Father. There was no voting. King Ahasuerus didn't have to go to Congress. He, he didn't go to the House of Representatives. He didn't. King Ahasuerus' word was law. He was viewed as a mini-god, if you would. 
As a mini-god, he was viewed as someone who couldn't make any mistakes. So not only was his word absolute law, his word was right and his word was unchangeable. Because why would he need to change his law if he was perfect? Right? He was, he was a picture of a, of a mini-deity. And again, I stress that his word absolutely went. His law could never be changed. He couldn't even change it. Because why would his perfect law ever need to be changed? That's the authority that King Ahasuerus has. Again, as a, as a mini-god, and, and his, his word was absolute. And do you see how King Ahasuerus is, is, is a picture of God in, in that regard? His absolute sovereignty. Every word he says, is, it, it's absolute and it's, it's unchangeable. And Haman, that was the king's right-hand man. And Haman was first in charge. And Haman absolutely hated Mordecai. Absolutely hated him. And through deceit, Haman has convinced the king to write uh, uh, into law that not only Mordecai, but all the Jews in the land, all the Jews in the world, are to be killed. So that's the uh, that, that that that's where we are when we pick up here in, in, in chapter four. There's a law written by the, the king, by the absolute authority, that, that Mordecai and all the Jews in the world are to, are to be killed. And remember, that law is unchangeable and it's irreversible, cannot be changed. All, Mordecai and all the Jews are to be executed later that year. Now we'll, we'll read through chapter 4, and, and again, as we do, listen for, for these four points. How did Mordecai, how did Mordecai approach the king? How did Esther approach the king? How did Haman approach the king? There's, there's three types there. How did Mordecai approach the king? How did Esther approach the king? How did Haman approach the king? And then finally, what was Mordecai's standing? So listen to those four things as, as we read through here in, in chapter 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved. She sent raiment to, to clothe Mordecai, to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for, for Hatak one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. He gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spake unto Hatak, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such of whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called 
to come into the, the king these 30 days. They told Mordecai Esther's words. Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not within thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade him return to Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night and day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. We'll read the first couple verses here in chapter 5 also. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel, and stood in the inner uh, inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so, when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. I've been blessed by this study looking at some of the ways that the, the interaction of, of coming into the king's presence is, is like our own as we approach that almighty sovereign throne. But I've also been blessed by all the ways that this picture is not like ours. All the ways that it, all the pictures that it is like ours, but also contrasting all the ways that it is, it is not. Because this is a human interaction. It's, it's, it's an earthly picture. It's beautiful, but it's still just a picture. We read in Ephesians 3, that I I quote often, this verse comforts me frequently, that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I may quote that in every single message. I'm so touched by that scripture. To think that our God is able to do all that we ask or think, that would be something. Above all that we ask or think? No. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So this is an earthly picture. It's a beautiful picture, but we'll also look at the, at the contrast also. King Hazarus is the most powerful man on earth. He's probably able to do everything that he could even think of. He's, he probably has the authority and the might and the ability to do anything any of his subjects could ever even think or ask of. But he's not able to do exceeding abundantly above. Only God can. So again, we'll point out the similarities, but I also want to see the differences because God is so much greater than any possible earthly example we could come up with. So I want to, again, to look at both the similarities and also the differences. There are four ways in which the king was approached in this text, which I mentioned. How, how, how did Mordecai approach the king? Here in, back in verse 1 of chapter 4, When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. How did Mordecai approach the king? He can't. He can't. By law, he can't approach into the king's courtyard, not in his current state. Mordecai is unworthy. Mordecai cannot, in his state, approach unto the king. 
He wasn't even allowed in the king's sight. He wasn't even allowed in the king's court. Mordecai. How did Mordecai approach the almighty king, Ahasuerus? He didn't. He can't. And that's a picture of us in our sinful state. How, how do we come before our sovereign God in our state? We can't. We don't have an audience with him. We're fallen sinners. We can't approach into a, a, a holy, sovereign father that, as mighty as King Ahasuerus is, that we little King Ahasuerus is a picture of, the almighty. Mordecai can't even approach unto him. We most certainly can't approach into a truly, a, a truly holy throne. We can't. Nor would Mordecai even want to. If Mordecai approached the king without being drawn, as Esther said, he'd be killed on the spot. Those who, who, who come without being first called and drawn, unless the, same take, the king takes action to lower the scepter, they're, they're killed on the spot. He'd be killed before he can give, even get a word out, walking into the king's presence in sackcloth, our sinfulness, walking into the king's presence, killed on the spot. What, what our, our Holy Father say to Moses, you, you cannot see me and live. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. In our natural sinful state, we think that God's waiting for us to come to him. And that's what I hear. Sadly, that's how I hear God described. That God's waiting for us to come to him and that we'll be, we'll be rewarded when we do. Mm. That is not our relationship with the God the Father. Our relationship with God the Father is as Mordecai's relationship with the king. We can't, in and of ourselves, approach unto him. God is sovereign. The Bible teaches one of my mother's favorite verses. His ways are higher than our ways, right? Not only won't we come to him in our natural state, we can't. Any more than Mordecai could. We're unworthy, just as Mordecai is unworthy. We're under the the law of, 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 of the penalty of death for sin. Just as Mordecai is under the the penalty of death for being a Jew. The law that cannot be changed. He can't come into the king's courts. What What does Psalm 84 say? For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. A day in his courts is better than a thousand. Mordecai. Mordecai can't come into his courts. He's unworthy. We can't come into his courts. He's, we're, we're unworthy. We're sinful. Can't come to him. Can't come to our God any, any more than Mordecai can come uh, to King Ahasuerus. So to answer the question, how did Mordecai come? Well, first he came with a need. He saw that the law condemned him. There was no means of escape. The law can't be changed. He's, he's a Jew, right? He's under the Jewish nation. The law has been, has been written that all the Jewish nation is, is, is to be killed. The wages of sin is death. Not only can that law not be changed, it shouldn't be changed. There's no reason. That, 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 it's a good law. God's law is good. It shouldn't be changed. Mordecai could say he's not a Jew. I can say I'm not a sinner. Does it change anything? No, of course, Mordecai's a Jew. He might pretend and act like he's not one. He might convince the whole country that he's not one. Maybe Mordecai's great. Maybe I'm fantastic. Maybe I can, maybe I can really come across as something. Even if I could convince you, even if I could convince my own mother that I'm not a sinner, does it change anything? Of course not. 
I'm under the law. I'm under the penalty, just as Mordecai is. Mordecai is under the penalty. He's, he's sold under this law, just as I'm sold under sin, under my father Adam. I'm sold under sin. Can't change the law. That law rightfully condemns me. That law rightfully condemns us. Mordecai came to the king with a need, a need he couldn't fix. Right? I'm under the law. I'm under death's penalty. I'm under death's curse. I'm a Jew. He's coming to the king with a plea that he is utterly helpless to fix. I come to, to, to my God with a plea. I'm a, I'm a sinner. No matter how I act, no matter what I do tomorrow, no matter what promise I make and fail, no matter what I do, I'm sold under sin. Father, I, I need help. That's how Mordecai came to the father with a need. Secondly, Mordecai came to the king through a worthy mediator. He came to the king through Esther, a mediator who the king loved. Mordecai approached the the king through Queen Esther, who, of course, in this instance, typifies Christ. Of course, you you see, Mordecai's petition is made through Esther. We come to the the sovereign throne through Christ, our, our worthy mediator. Esther being a picture of Christ in both that, that Esther's worthy to stand before the king's presence, right? The king lowered the scepter and accepted Esther. Esther's, Esther's worthy, just as Christ is worthy. Esther is part of Mordecai's family. As such, she's, she's one with Mordecai. She's a Jew. She's one with the Jews, and she's not ashamed to call them her own. Just as Christ. You know, so, so she's worthy to stand before the king... Because she's worthy, and she's worthy to represent Mordecai because she's a Jew like him. As a Jew, she's worthy to represent Mordecai. And you see the, you see the picture of our, of, of our Savior, of, of Christ here, right? He's worthy to stand before God the Father. Christ is, is, is worthy, and he's worthy as the representative of, of sinners. Let me quote Isaiah 53 to you. Isaiah 53, 12 says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he, Christ, was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors, just as Esther was numbered with the Jews. Christ was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for those transgressors. Christ is worthy. He's worthy to stand in God the Father's presence. And he's, he's, he's worthy because he numbers himself with these transgressors. And he bore the sin of many. Because he's, he's, earned, he's earned the right to be worthy. And the right to, to, to represent us. We have not a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Because he was made like unto us. Mm. We often sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I, I may have I may have mentioned this once before that I think I was a teenager and I was singing that in church, and the Lord gave me a little bit of wisdom to realize, and this is what I sang because this is the truth: What can wash away my sins? Nothing, because outside of the blood of Jesus, that's where that story ends. That's where that song ends, right there. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus. Because he's worthy. And because he was numbered with the transgressors. When we pray, we have 
every reason, as we started the service with, to, to give thanks for our right through Christ to approach unto that throne. I pray that I never get past that. The right to pray to the creator of the universe and to be accepted before his throne in Christ, we could stop our prayer right there. But, but, he, but he commands us, make your prayers and admonitions known. You know, s- s- that we can come to his throne and speak through Christ. That, that we're allowed to come to the, the, to the throne, the much bigger than King Ahasuerus's, and make known our petition for mercy. To, as Mordecai did through Esther. To, to, mm, boy, that should never cease. We should stop right there. And, and just let it just, just amaze us. Mm. When Mordecai came to Esther, to Esther, look here in verse eight. What what did he ask for? Chapter four, verse eight. What did, what did he ask for? He he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, declare it to her, to charge her that she should go into the king and make supplication unto him, to make requests before him for her people. What did Mordecai request? What did Mordecai request? He asked for mercy. Mordecai came to Esther as we come to Christ, begging for mercy, asking, make supplication for me based on who you are. That's what Mordecai asked Esther. Go into the king based on who you are. Right? You're worthy and you represent me. Go into the king and make supplication based on who you are. Make supplication for me, who's under the law. What did Mordecai ask of Esther? He asked of mercy. He asked for mercy. He asked that Esther make supplication for her people. Mordecai didn't have a plan. He didn't have it all figured out. Tell the king if he does this, I'll do that. That's foolishness. Foolishness. Don told me one time, correctly, you're a fool. He said that to my face. You're a fool. He's right. This would be being a fool. Right? Going, going to the king and bargaining with the king, don't be a fool. That's just foolishness. He didn't ask for the law to be changed so that it didn't apply to him. Foolishness. He didn't make excuse, say that I'm not guilty before the law, try to not pretend to not be a Jew. Not at all. He put his sackcloth on. And he came all to Christ. He came all to Esther. We come all, all to Christ. All. He, he has to take all of me for me to have any, any hope. And make that plea before God the Father. Mordecai didn't ask Esther to make any claim, no claim, other than mercy for her sake. What do I want? I want mercy for Christ's sake. That's what sinners want. I want mercy for, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake. That's how we come to Christ, pleading uh, no right, no right to mercy. Our sinful nature tells us that we can offer something, I, that I can offer something to, to make myself a little bit more worthy. Whew, thou fool. Come begging for mercy. My old heart tells me there must be something I can do. Thou fool. You know what that really is? That, that's Lucifer all over again saying, I will. I will. Try to figure out a way to obligate God into giving me his favor. Mordecai didn't do that. Mordecai he went through Esther. Mordecai was wise enough to know he cannot do that. He can't even get across the courtyard to get to the king. And if he did get to the king, somehow, he'd be put to death. Mm. 
But that's that's the deadness of our hearts. That, that if God leaves us alone, that's what we each of us will do. Hmm. Hmm. That we think we could obligate God to show us favor. King Hazarus was absolutely unapproachable to Mordecai, just as God the Father is absolutely unapproachable by us, to us, other than through a mediator. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It would be an offensive suggestion to to suggest that that Mordecai could, could possibly have anything that the king would want or need. Even if he could get... The king is the king of the whole world. What could the king possibly want that Mordecai has? It's foolishness. What, what could the God the Father, the creator of this universe, possibly want that I have? It, it's foolishness, but it, it, it's evidence of, of who we are. King already owned Mordecai. Not only all that Mordecai had, King already owned Mordecai, just as God the Father already owns us. Let alone everything that we have. I drive home on 64, and I see the cattle on a thousand hills. And they're all his. He owns the cattle, and he owns the owner of the owner of the cattle. <laughs> and the hill. And the air the cattle's breathing. He owns it all. What could, what could Mordecai possibly bring? Mercy isn't for sale. Mercy, is, mercy isn't for sale. It, it's, it's, it's a gift of God for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. How did Mordecai approach the king? Through Esther. How do we approach God the Father? Only through Christ. Through Christ. Two. How did Esther approach the king? Esther is a picture of sinners coming to Christ. In this, in this instance, Esther is actually us. And we're coming, coming to Christ. How, 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 did, how did Esther approach the king? Esther actually had no right also to, to come before the king. Uh, chapter 4 here in verse 11. Esther says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. Esther had no right to come before the king. She wasn't called. King Hazarus hasn't summoned her for thirty days. She has, again, no right to come before the king, no reason to believe uh, that she was in the king's favor. She hasn't been called for these 30 days. No, nothing to offer him to persuade him. She has no right to come before the king. How did Esther approach the king? She approached him as her only hope. Here in, in verse 16, she says to, to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish... I perish. She's coming to the king as her only hope. I'm, and if I perish, I perish. As her only hope. She knew she was going to perish one way or the other, and, and coming to the king asking for his favor was, was terrifying to her. Right? She asked Mordecai and all the Jews fast for me and pray. It was terrifying to her to come before the presence of the, of the king without being called. If the king did nothing... She'd be killed. He had have to actually take action to save her. She was, she was, I'm sure, terrified. But she's coming, saying, "You're my own only hope. If I perish, I perish." He would have to show again by his action that he actually wanted her to be there. 
And there was no indication that that was the cause, that that was the case. But she came appealing to his love for her. She came appealing to his love for her. Uh, again, they're, they're in... Um, I'm sorry. Chapter 5, verse 2. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the, in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. The king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. How sweet is that picture? Because of his love for her, she, she obtained favor in his sight. How sweet is that picture? She came appealing appealing to his love for her. Not based on who she was, but rather based on who he is. Based on his love for her. Esther came to the king based upon who she knew him to be for her. Just as sinners come to Christ. Sinners come to Christ this way, never based on our own worth, but but based upon who we know his character to be. Right? According to his loving kindness. Isn't that what the scripture says? According to my worth? Absolutely not. According to his loving kindness. According to the king's love for Esther, she was accepted. According to Christ's loving kindness. According to his authority. According to his, his goodness. According to who he is. He accepts sinners. According to his loving kindness. According to his character. The Bible declares Christ's mercy and gentleness to sinners in this, in this exact same picture. We come to his throne because of his goodness. Because, pleading his character, pleading his goodness, pleading his mercy, pleading his power, pleading his right, pleading his accomplished death, pleading the fact that he took our sins in his body on the tree and put them as far away as the east is from the west, pleading his work, pleading him, 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 pleading him. We come to him just as, just as Esther came before the king, pleading his goodness based on his goodness. Here the similarities of us coming to Christ are, are beautiful. Esther comes to the king appealing to his love for her and she was accepted. Just as all who come to Christ pleading his all who come to Christ pleading his mercy will be accepted. Turn turn over uh, to to John. Let's look at that. Two two verses in John chapter 6. All who come to Christ pleading his mercy will be accepted. Here in John chapter 6. Starting in verse 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now remember, this is the words of the king. It cannot be changed. There's no reason for them to be changed. This is the law. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Do you know who that's good news for? That's good news for a sinner. A sinner can read that and all. I can find myself in all. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I can find myself there. That's that's the promise of of Christ. That's the promise of... That all who come to me, they'll never be turned away. Just as Esther wasn't turned away. But here the difference might be... The difference in this picture might be even sweeter. Because think about this. Esther had no reason whatsoever to believe that the king would accept her. Right? She said, haven't been called in these 30 days. Anyone who comes and hasn't been called be put to death. I haven't been called these 30 days. I have no reason. I have no reason to believe the king's goodness to me. 
will, will spare me. The king didn't call Esther. She still came based on his goodness to her, but she was never called. Here's where the difference is so sweet. Unlike Esther, who was never called, sinners have hope. If King Hazarus had called for Esther, it wouldn't be an invitation, right? If the king had called for Esther, he wouldn't be inviting her. He'd be commanding her, come, right? Esther wouldn't have been sent an invitation. She would have been beckoned. But we, unlike Esther, have been called. Sinner, put your name right there. I do. Jonathan, Christ has called. Has, we have been called by Christ, and it isn't an invitation either. It's a commandment. It's a beckoning, a sweet calling, beckoning. But listen to these, listen to these verses. Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 16. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Acts 2. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Matthew 11. Come, come unto me. If you can find yourself here, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hmm. We have been called. We have been commanded to come. Unlike Esther, that's where the difference is even sweeter. We have been called to the, to, the, to the throne. We have that commandment. We have the authority of God's word that Christ accepts sinners and delights to show mercy. <clears throat> this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That... That's a faithful saying. That's just like King Ahasuerus' word. It'll never be changed. His word will remain. That, that, will, that will never be changed, right? That's true. It was faithful and worthy of acceptation 2,000 years ago. And it is again today, right now. And it will be tomorrow too, right? Hmm. Christ Jesus came to this world to save, to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Revelation 3 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the, the water of life freely. Christ has beckoned you to come, whether you've never heard of Christ before today, whether you're a mature believer. Christ bids you, Come. Come. Come to Christ. King Jesus lowers that scepter. In love, because of who he is, because of his character, according to his loving kindness. Sinner, come to King Jesus, and he absolutely will lower the scepter. We have that on the authority of the authority of God's word. How did Mordecai approach the king? Through Esther. How does Esther approach the king as we approach Christ, based on his loving kindness? How did Haman approach the king? And this is every way other than through a mediator. Haman is a picture of every way coming to God outside of Christ. That's Haman. How did, how did Haman approach the king? Look down further in chapter 5 and in verse 14. That's not the right verse. Oh, yes it is. I'm sorry. Verse 14. Then said Zeresh his wife and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, Tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. 
Listen, this is how Haman went into the king. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. This thing pleased Haman. Go in, go into the king's presence merrily. Haman went into the king merrily. He went into the king proud. He, went, he saw himself as nearly equal with the king, as close enough to be able to just stand in his presence on his own. He went in merrily, easy, into the king. Proud, standing on his own footing. He entered into the king's presence merrily. Altogether vanity. Whether we, we come into the king's presence merrily as pretending to be equals, believing ourselves, maybe that's a better way of saying it, believing ourselves to, 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 to be equal, believing ourselves to have a right to stand before our God, or whether we come in with our head down, thinking that, well, I, you know, I, I'm aware of my sinfulness. Oh, how, how deceitful is that? Since I'm aware of my sinfulness and my, have my head down, now I'm worthy because I'm aware. It's, it's altogether vanity. Had Mordecai come that way, he'd have been put to death, right? You cannot, we cannot come unto the king. It's all vanity. Any way of coming to, to, to God the Father outside of Christ is altogether, altogether vanity. Just as, just as Haman. But when, was his, his, when his sin was exposed, then what was Haman's reaction? Turn all the way over to chapter 7. This is Haman's reaction once his sin was, was exposed. Read the first seven verses here in, in chapter 7. So the king, so the king and Haman came, uh, came to the banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. What is thy request? It shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Esther the queen answered and said, If I found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king... Let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy uh, could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus said, uh, answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he, that uh, durst uh, presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. The king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. He saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Now Haman is afraid before the king. And this, this, is, this is our end, coming to the father any way other than through Christ. This is our end. Haman's afraid before the king now. Haman's reaction revealed his heart just as ours does. Haman, Haman, seeing the king, seeing his own sin, seeing his own guilt before the king, seeing his unworthiness before the king, did Haman hit, hit his knees, confess his sin, and ask for mercy? No. Because this reveals his heart. Just as aside from God's calling grace, we will not. We will not. We will not have this man reign over us, right? We will not. Aside from God's 
grace, fall and ask for mercy. What did Haman do? Haman stood up and he started bargaining with Queen Esther. I imagine that Haman offered everything. His house, his money, I imagine Haman was very genuine. Thou fool. He's coming to the king outside of a mediator. I don't care how genuine he is, what he has to offer, how sorry he is. He still hasn't been given life and a heart and eyes to come, come through a mediator. He's still standing up, bargaining. Bargaining rather than, coming, rather than coming for mercy. He was pleading for his life. But his heart betrayed him. No doubt he wanted to undo his guilt. I'm sure he did. He just desperately tried to work it out for himself. He could never repent because he's dead. And that's, that's us. That's, that's the picture of us as sinners. Outside of God's saving grace, we will never, we can never repent. We're, we're dead. I see myself. I easily see myself in Haman. Outside of God's grace and love, there's where we would all be. Haman's. He didn't, he didn't stop and say, Esther, you're absolutely right. I'm guilty and I deserve to die. He didn't plead with Esther because of her goodness. He, he didn't appeal to the king's goodness. He never begged for mercy. He argued. His heart revealed himself. Haman never asked for mercy. His actions revealed his heart. His actions tried, he tried to cover his sin. This is the same story. It's the same story of Adam and Eve. The fig leaves, they tried to cover their sin. Ah! That he would give us a heart to come to him and ask for mercy. Mm. Mercy for my soul. Our natural hearts will never bow. Even in the end days. When, when, when God returns and, and, and our sorry, sinful, dead selves would instead call for the mountains to come fall on us rather than ask for mercy. Mm. And Haman didn't. Our will is it's bound and it's owned by sin. Oh, I pray that God give us that, that heart to come to the king as Mordecai did through Esther, to come to our king through Christ, our, our worthy mediator, mm. according to his loving kindness, right? Based on his goodness. Not even based on my coming. Not based on my faith, right? I don't ask for God to, to accept me because I came. That's deceitful works all over again. That's for Christ to accept me for His sake, because of His, according to His loving kindness, for His sake. And finally, because Esther approached the king, what is Mordecai's standing? Remember, Mordecai is a picture of the redeemed sinner coming to God. Uh, look here again, staying in Esther chapter seven. We'll read through the first couple verses of, of, of chapter 8. We'll, we'll start in verse 8 here. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. That's the authority of King Ahasuerus, right? He didn't get the word out yet, and it was done. He didn't even finish his sentence. I think of that when the, when the universe was created. And for our benefit, the scripture says that God said, let there be light. He didn't have to say it. 
<laughs> it wasn't the words. It was the authority of his thought. And there was light. It was the, the authority. As soon as the king saw it, and before the word was even out of his mouth, they covered Haman's face with a sack. And uh, Harbonah, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath was pacified. On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. Mordecai came before the king. Hmm. Mordecai came before the king. Esther, for Esther had told what he was unto her. The king took off his ring, which he had given, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Because of Esther's intercession to King Ahasuerus, Mordecai can now approach unto the king. Right? We have we have an audience with the king. We're accepted by the king through Christ, just as Mordecai is now accepted by the king through Esther. What a beautiful picture. Because of Esther, the the king gives Mordecai his ring, and he becomes a son of the king. He gave him his ring. Furthermore, the king completely eliminated all those that would charge Mordecai. The law was never changed, right? The Jews were to be killed. That law was never changed. The king completely eliminated all of those who would charge Mordecai. Later in, in, the, in the chapters, the king hung, hung Haman, Haman's ten sons, and over 75,000 other people who came after accusing the Jews. The king didn't change the law, but the law no longer pertained to Mordecai. The law was satisfied. The law was fulfilled. The law was done. The law had no charge against Mordecai anymore, just as the, the law has never changed. Our God, in his, in, his, in his wisdom and in his goodness, how can man be just and justified with God? Only, only in Christ. Only who... The, the wages of sin was never bent. The wages of sin is death and always has been death. The, the difference is, just as the king wiped out every charge... All 75,000 charges against Mordecai. That's how God the Father clears our name. Because God the Son took those sins in his body on the tree. And they were absolutely put away. They were put away. Just as these 75,000 were put away. The law never changed. Reminds me of when the Pharisees brought the adulterous woman before Christ. Um, I had the privilege of being in Lexington last weekend. Todd preached from, from this text. When the Pharisees brought that adulterous woman before Christ, I love this verse, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. God eliminates all charges. All charges. All charges against his people. Just as Mordecai can now come into the king's presence, sinners can come, the scripture says, can come boldly to the throne of God to obtain mercy, right? Find grace to help in time of need. And and, and we sang before the service, we sang, it is well with my soul. Why? 
My soul, oh, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, all 75,000 in my sin, much, much more, much more grievous. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul, right? Mm. That picture, coming to God in Christ, is what separates sovereign grace preaching from every other what word do you want to use there? Hope? Not exactly. Religion? Lie? Only come to the king through a mediator. Only come to the king through Christ. That's the end of the story. It, Mordecai comes through, through Esther. We come to God our Father through Christ. And those that come to him, and I, I quoted it earlier, they, they that come to him, he will in no wise cast out. He delights to show mercy. Every other religion teaches one way or another to, to become worthy. That's what, that's what it all boils down to, a way to become worthy. Uh, some are very open about it. And some are a whole lot more subtle. Um, but our, our, the Bible, this that we call sovereign grace, the, the Bible only teaches in ourselves we have no right to come before God. and In ourselves we never have a right to come before God. We're always Mordecai. Right? We're always coming to Esther. But as Esther came to the queen, to the king, we're always Esther coming to, to our king Jesus, who always lowers the scepter because he has the right to, because he's worthy to, and according to his loving kindness, he will. We come to the throne of God freely. Philippians four says, "Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God only through Christ." Sinners have access to God to the Father to make our requests known. Better yet, we come as, as children. As a father, I try to give my children much more than they could ever ask for. Not all the things they ask for. They don't get that. That's not wise. But to, but to give them the goodness more than they could ever even know to ask for. Right? To, to set them on a path that is good for them. I try, but I'm very fallible. And, and, and I'm not wise. And I make a ton of mistakes. Oh, but not, not God our Father. And he calls us children. Not only does he have the means and not only is he, he, he worthy, he also has the wisdom to give his children what his children need. We have not because we ask not. Ask, Matthew 7 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that, everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or... What man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, he'll give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So I pray for myself, and I pray for you, that, that you, come, you come to God the Father. Ask for what he puts on your heart to ask for. Come to him, just as Mordecai came to God the Father for Esther's sake. Come, come to God for Christ's sake. Come to Christ for his loving kindness' sake, for his goodness' sake. Because he alone is worthy. He's, he, he, he's, he's worthy in his birthright. He's worthy in what he did. He's worthy in that he, he, he lived a sin, sinless life and, and took the sin of his people in his body on the tree and put it away. He's worthy. 
he worthy because he numbers himself with transgressors like me and you. You know, he's worthy. Come to Christ. Let's pray together before we, we close. Our Holy Father, we are thankful for the privilege of, of bowing our heads and calling you our Father for Christ's sake. We thank you for, for seeing fit, based on your goodness, to save guilty sinners. We thank you. We thank you for, for this word today, and I, and I pray that, that, you, that you bless it according to your will. I pray, pray that you be with us through the, through the week to come, all according to your will. We pray this thankfully in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen.